You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. If we possess that love, it'll carry you through whatever you have to face in that experience. But then also, we need to, as we serve Him, attractively. Notice there in verse 3, if we're to be effective in tending to the flock, we need to serve Him attractively. Notice there what it says there in verse 3. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Have you ever had a leader who lorded over you? Sometimes it's just something in the tone of their voice, or it may be in their general demeanor or attitude towards you. It doesn't feel good, and when you sense that their leadership is tailored towards serving their own purposes and benefit, you'll quickly lose motivation to follow them. That's bad leadership. As Pastor Michael pointed out in today's message, good, Christ-like leadership comes alongside in love seeking to grow and sharpen those you lead. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 as he continues his message, Suffering for God's Glory. There must be a purging, and it must begin, notice as Peter tells us here in our text, in the house of God. Okay, so therefore, with that understanding, how are we to respond to judgment? Well, simply, personal sin must be realized and acknowledged to God and followed by sincere repentance. Let me give you a cross-reference, a very familiar cross-reference, I'm sure, to many of you. In 2 Chronicles, in chapter 7, in verse 14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. But it is at this point where some Christians fail. They continue to live in defeat as they coddle and pamper their pet sins. Do you have any pet sins? Well, it's time to just turn those things over to God, to confess their, uh, our sins, to get rid of our sins. Listen, gang, get the victory. Judge yourself lest you be judged by God. You know, no wonder so many Christians exert no uh, concerted effort to win the loss to Christ. Why is that? Because they are cold and indifferent to the claims of God in their own hearts, in their own lives. How can they hope to be burdened for other people? 
Here's the problem. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 2, in verse 4, when Jesus is writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, you, this was the indictment that he brought against them. You have left your first love. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4. In other words, you've grown cold to the things that once thrilled you. You've drifted away from the faithful study of God's word and from fellowship with God in prayer. Neglecting these spiritual exercises has made you pray for sin. Perhaps you've fallen into some sin which is robbing you of the peace and joy you once knew in Jesus Christ. Listen, gang, remember, God sees all things. He can look into your hearts, even as he looked into the hearts through Ezekiel, uh, his people Israel. Can you bear that kind of scrutiny? What does God see? Oh, let him give you the victory. Make things right. Simply confess to the Lord and judge yourselves. Remember, according to our text, verse 17, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. So Peter knew something about eldership, uh, that specific calling that uh, God had uh, given him. So he's passing on uh, some of what he's experienced for himself. Shepherd the flock of God, verse 2, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, who is Jesus, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Don't you think that it is pretty interesting that at this point in Peter's epistle, he makes the transition from the subject of fiery trials and suffering, and that's what we've been talking about now over the last couple of weeks, to transitioning now and addresses the subject of the ministry of elders. Now, why do you think that he has chosen to do that? Well, I think it's because he knew leaders in the church can be a strong comforting factor and stabilizing force in keeping believers steadfast during those trying periods of time. For example, God uses our lips to encourage them through the study of the Word, through the proclamation of the Word, through our counsel. God uses our hands to help individuals. God uses our hearts to love individuals. And so here he calls upon the leadership community within the local church to rally to this needed ministry. And listen, there are always needs amongst the people who make up our congregations. There are always issues, there are always struggles, there are always problems that need to be dealt with. Now, I want you to go back to our text. Notice there that Peter is addressing the elders. And we can use that word uh, elders interchangeably with other uh, words that we're familiar with. For example, like overseers. In fact, uh, Peter uses that uh, same word uh, there in verse 2. Notice it says, Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers. Uh, so that word, elders, overseers, can be used interchangeably. Uh, uh, now this would also include church officers, 
ministers, laymen who have been entrusted uh, with the oversight of a certain work within the, uh, the church, maybe someone who heads up the men's ministry or a woman who heads up the women's ministry or the prayer ministry or the children's ministry, uh, whatever. But notice here, Peter uh, is addressing those individuals. Now, Peter uh, considers three aspects here in our text of their calling. What are those three aspects? Well, their relationship, their responsibility, and their reward. So let's go ahead and take them in that order. First of all, uh, the elders or overseers relationship. And what we're particularly talking about is the relationship with uh, God, which is so very, very important. That needs to be in place. That needs to be intact. It must be a thriving relationship. They need to make sure that there's nothing standing in the way or hindering their relationship with Jesus. Now, why is that? Well, because if we allow certain things to stand in the way, it'll shut down our effectiveness. So our yieldedness to the will of Jesus must be constant and unbroken. Jesus himself said, remember in John's Gospel in chapter 15, where he uses the analogy of the vine, he being the vine, and we the branches. He goes on to declare in verse 5, without me you can do nothing. Oh, as elders in the church, we need to acknowledge and recognize that fact. Without Jesus working through us, we can do nothing. We'll accomplish nothing. Everything that we do will just fall to the uh, ground. Really won't make a difference. So therefore, we need to be plugged into the vine who is Jesus Christ. Now, Peter further states, notice there in verse 1, let's go back to our text, that he is a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Now, that word partaker, I want to focus in on that, suggests, notice, by experience. Be a partaker by experience. Not just a head knowledge, but by experience. So the glory of Christ should be evidenced in him or her in a life of complete separation and surrender. This is the person that is in passion to know Christ. That's the person, that's the elder, that's the person that God is going to work through. And that's the key to our success and effectiveness in the ministry. You know, Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in verses 1 and two, and this has everything to do with self-abandonment and complete surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So that self-abandonment and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus uh, Christ. That was the key to Paul's effectiveness in the ministry. So it's someone who is dead to worldly passions and alive unto uh, God. That's the folks that God uses. Listen, it's not by intellectual power or human ingenuity that our world is going to be reached. If we are to capture God's power and ability, we have to reserve nothing for self and be absolutely filled with the Holy Spirit. And then and only then will we become life-giving streams of refreshment for weary souls. 
So gang, it's not the importance of a man or his abilities or his position, and God will use those things, uh, but those really aren't the things that count because it's all about God filling the man who is in a right relationship with him. And again, I want to stress that. We need to make sure that we are in a right relationship with Jesus. So that's the man or woman that God uh, uses. Now, another aspect of the elders or overseers uh, calling is their responsibility. Go back to our text. Notice there in verse 2, the, the first part of verse 2. It says, Shepherds, uh, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. So tend to the flock. That's the exhortation that Peter uh, gives the elders. The idea here, and this is involved in that whole process of tending the flock, the idea here is to encourage them, to protect them, to guide them, to lead them, to build them up. And listen, this is, this is pretty uh, weighty stuff. It's heavy uh, stuff. It's a tremendous responsibility. So God, uh, help us. And that's the reason why often I ask you to pray for me, pray for our, our eldership, uh, that we might take on this responsibility, that we might be uh, effective in, in being a blessing to the men and women that God has entrusted to us in their care. Now notice, Peter go, uh, gives us also three ways that Christian leaders may best fulfill this responsibility, that is to tend to the flock that God has entrusted uh, to our care. Let's go back to our text, the latter part of verse 2 and verse 3. Serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the uh, flock. So let me break this down uh, for you. They are to lead willingly, graciously, and attractively. So let me, let me say that again. They are to lead willingly, graciously, and attractively. So these are some of the best ways to fulfill the responsibilities of tending to the flock. Now, let's break this down for you. First of all, willingly. Notice what Peter uh, exhorts us. Here, he says, not out of compulsion, that is, or a sense of uh, duty. You know, there are some people who just approach the, mere, uh, the ministry as some kind of a, a career. Uh, they refer to themselves as career uh, ministers. But that's not what it's all about. We serve others because of our love for Christ and our love for the people of God. A willingness to work wholeheartedly for the Lord, conscientiously. Then another uh, way to fulfill this responsibility is graciously. Notice there in verse 2, not for money, but rather of a ready mind. God forbid that anyone should put a price tag on the ministry. Listen, I've heard of, and in fact, I've even come up against this several times, you know, in the many years that I've been involved now in full-time ministry. We've asked people to come and, and uh but they have a price tag on their ministry. They, they will only come if we offer them a certain amount as a part of their honorarium. You know, God forbid that we should uh, do that. In the book of Colossians, in chapter 3, in verses 23 and 24, as a cross-reference, there we are told, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to uh, men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, 
for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So listen, those who serve the Lord graciously will be rewarded by him abundantly. We shouldn't, be, we shouldn't care about honorariums or whatever. Uh, we should do all things as unto the Lord. So when people who serve the Lord for other reasons than simply loving him, gang, you're heading for trouble. Uh, you're heading for a failure. Remember when Jesus commissioned Peter to undertake his work, his calling, he asked him this question. It's recorded first in John's Gospel in chapter 21 and verse 17. He said, Peter, do you love me? Then if you do, feed my sheep. That's the motive, our love for Jesus Christ. You see, the secret of productivity for Jesus is found in the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 and verse 14, where, where Paul tells us there that it is the love of Christ that constraineth us. In other words, it was the love that he had for Jesus Christ that enabled him to press on through all of the hazards that he had to encounter during his life's ministry. It's the only effective way to serve him. That is, this love that we have for Jesus. And if we possess that love, it'll carry you through whatever you have to face in that experience. But then also, we need to, as we serve him, uh, attractively. Notice there in verse 3, if we're to be effective in tending to the flock, we need to serve him attractively. Notice there what it says there in verse 3. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So this is referring to the way that we deal with other uh, people. In other words, we should not be overbearing. We should not be arrogant. We need to exercise great humility and experience and respect towards one another. We need to cooperate uh, with one another. You know, there's, there's this story of Toscanini, who is the Italian conductor and composer and was known as a great uh, perfectionist. Well, anyway, the story is told of a famous but highly temperamental soloist who was rehearsing in the Metropolitan Opera House. And Toscanini gave her very positive instructions just as he gave them to the members of his orchestra. This proved too much for the prima donna vanities, and she said haughtily, I am the star of this performance. To this, Toscanini patiently replied, Madam, in this performance there are no stars. He knew that unless the soloist and the orchestra were ready and willing to work together in perfect harmony, there could be no performance worth hearing and certainly never a sympathy. So, if this is true in the music world, how much more needful within the church? So listen, there's no stars within the church. We're all one in Christ. So there needs not be any lords, but rather examples. We need to work together, work with one another. And that's how we will attract others to Jesus Christ, as they see Christ through us. We need to reproduce Christ. We need to be examples. So anyway, those are some of the best ways to fulfill our responsibility, tending to the flock of God. Now that brings us to our third point, our final point this evening. Let's talk about the elder's reward. Notice there in verse 4. 
And when the chief shepherd, who is Jesus, appears, when he comes back, or when he takes us home, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Now, let me clear up any confusion you might have about this uh, exhortation here. We're not only talking about one day in eternity, and yes, our reward will be uh, great for being faithful in the things that God has given us, being a faithful steward over the things that God has given us uh, to do. But we're not necessarily talking about only that one day in eternity, but here and the now. That is in knowing we had a small part, that we played a small part in seeing people's lives changed because of our ministry, their sin overcome, uh, healing taking place within their lives, joy and love being restored, all of these things. And yes, there are many forms of the way that we are are paid uh, by the Lord uh, for our faithful uh, service as uh, Christians. So may God help us to assume our responsibilities for our gracious Lord, laboring willingly, graciously, and attractively. So, uh, I want to leave you with a couple of cross-references. The first one, oh, well, actually both of them are from the book of Second Chronicles. The first one is found in Second Chronicles chapter 15 and verse 7. There we are exhorted, Be strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And so, gang, regardless of the cost, be true to your Lord. Make those sacrifices. Sacrifice everything that you may effectively uh, serve Him. And then the final exhortation, also from the book of Second Chronicles in chapter 29, in verse 11, as Hezekiah had cleansed the temple and restored the worship of God, he addresses the people and he exhorts them in Second Chronicles chapter 29, in verse 11. He says, My sons, do not be negligent now, For the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that you should minister to him and burn incense. Father, we thank you for the instruction of your word. Lord, help us to be faithful uh, ministries and whatever our calling may be. Father, whether we're a senior pastor of the church or heading up a ministry or ministers in our home, ministering to our spouses or our children, uh, at our workplace, Father, wherever, uh, Lord, We have the opportunities, Lord, where you've placed us. God, help us to be faithful. And uh, Lord, help us to uh, remember all of the uh, instruction here in this text of Scripture. Father, help us to be effective. Lord, help us to be successful. Lord, help us to really make a difference. God, we thank you, for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. In my Father's house place for me in my father's house where I long to be thanks for tuning in to today's edition of in my father's house as we study the book of first Peter together with pastor Mike it's no secret that faith can be just plain hard especially in a world that tries to pull you in so many different directions The Apostle Peter understood this, and so he wrote to remind believers to remain steadfast in their faith. God is faithful to meet you right where you're at, 
So lean into Him and trust in who He is. If you'd like to hear today's message again, just visit harvestnyc.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching for In My Father's House with Mike Finizio. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us at Harvest Christian Fellowship. Find directions, service times, and more information on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. And if you're listening outside of Manhattan, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. We love seeing how God is using His Word in incredibly powerful ways. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. We're so glad you were able to spend this past half hour with us. Join us again for more from this verse-by-verse study in the book of 1 Peter next time, right here on In My Father's House. Where I long to be, oh my heart, not be troubled.